Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. I just got back from Africa. Africa, South Africa, Longalozi, the most magical place in the world. And you know, I always expect it to be magical and it always is more magical than my wildest expectation. I have to tell you, it's an incredible place. So, um, gosh, wish I could fix Facebook in route. But, um, gosh, this is not the way I'd imagine this going. <sighs> Let me just tell you, <laughs> clearly I need guidance. And I'm not, um, I am not doing that well here. <sighs> All right, I have been gone for I don't know how many weeks, maybe three, maybe four, but I am back and look, you guys are showing up too, it's amazing. We're back in the gathering room. And I had the most amazing experiences there as I always do. The very first night I was there, I had a, I was by a sliding glass door that had a screen on it. And the screen, I didn't realize the glass was open and the screen was closed. Um, hang on. So, oh, shoot. <laughs> I was just telling Ro that she needs to come down and help me when she's actually um, in New York City. So, um, let's refresh that. So I'm sitting there by this screen, right? And uh, enjoying the morning, the evening air. It's dark outside. I'm wearing my leopard skin fuzzy pajamas because that's what I wear. And, uh, all of a sudden I hear, you know how when you have a mouse or something in, in your house or a squirrel or something, you can hear if they're just on the other side of the wall or if they're in the wall or if they're in the room with you? Well, I didn't realize that the sliding glass door was open. So in the room with me, I hear, oh, 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 only way scarier than that. And it's a leopard calling and he is literally right by the screen. And um, yeah, that was a that was a very religious moment for me. I basically propelled myself straight up into the mosquito net and clung there before I realized he was on the outside and he wasn't coming in. He was just talking to me about, yo, this is my territory. So if you're gonna wear leopard skin prints and come sit in my territory, you're gonna get the old <laughs> So I just said, well, thank you, Mr. Kind Sir. And he left and it was delightful. So sometimes I tell people who come down to join the stars with me, we call them stars, self-transformation adventure retreats. And sometimes when I am there and people come down to do the self-transformation, I get the incredible privilege of watching and listening as they realize that they have been guided and that things are showing up from the natural world to re-emphasize the fact that they are being guided. Now that leopard was just a leopard. Coincidence, no problem, right? But then I go into the camp. Now this is the first time I've been to Longalozi in three years. We went in 2019 and then 2020 happened in 2021. Yeah, so it was a three year gap. So in the meantime, I, I, everybody was catching up. What did you do during the pandemic? What was your pandemic like? And I remembered that from about uh, 2015, every time I went down to Londolozzi, they were engaged in something they called the 2020 Project. And it was about creating 
a zero carbon, zero footprint on the land village. So they're like about 300 people living there in this village that are taking care of the camp and the land and everything. And their plan was that by 2020, they would have this completely autonomous. So they would have all solar power that they got themselves with their own solar panels. They would have their own uh, wastewater cleansing system, which would uh, mean that they didn't depend on water pumped in from any place else or any water treatment. And they would have vegetable gardens so that they could grow all their own produce. And the whole idea was that they'd bring people and it would be kind of a tourist attraction, right? Like, look at what is possible, how you could live on the land without disrupting the ecosystem. That's what they thought. But here's what, what was really going on in my view. 2020, they kept saying, and it was good because it's a nice catchy 2020 balancing phrase and it's 2020 vision and 20, like, I get it, this is awesome. Then 2020 actually came. Now this is a place that makes literally all its revenues, all its income from tourism. Bam, gone. I mean, some of us uh, were lucky enough not to have the pandemic destroy our entire businesses. Um, and Londolozzi is getting right back with it. But I mean, the whole thing disappeared overnight. And what do you do when that happens? Well, it just so happens that they were completely independent with their solar panels and their water cleansing system and the vegetables from the gardens and the husbanding of the wilderness. Because in order to feed all the people, there are all these uh, herds of impala around that part of Africa. If you go for a drive, you'll see dozens of herds of impala. They're like pigeons in New York City. They're kind of kind of the standard bush animal. And the, of course, they're monitoring the populations. And so once a week, they would go and, you know, harvest, mercifully, quickly dispatch one impala. And that impala would feed the village for that week. And they, of course, had to use all of it. And it's amazing that they, just one impala could feed that whole village for a week. But they knew they were um, they were in harmony with the wilderness and with the animals and everything. And the interesting thing was looking back on all the time that we'd spent talking about 2020 when they didn't know what they were preparing for. They thought it was just, just a lark, but what it really was, was guidance. And it really got me thinking about how are we guided? Like, in what ways do you right now have things going into your life and into your mind that are preparing you for something up ahead that you can't even imagine, you wouldn't even think of. And I thought about the times going back in my life when that's happened. Um, for example, when I felt like I, I had quit academia, I quit being a sociology professor, decided I did not like academia. And instead I was gonna go and be a writer, but I couldn't sell a book. I wrote one, I tried to sell it, no dice. I was rejected, rejected, rejected. It was a difficult time. It was so difficult that I had to sort of start looking for work anywhere I could get it. So I took a part-time job teaching business at this international business school in Phoenix. And I thought, oh, back to the salt mains. But what about my guidance that said, leave academia, take the big jump, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. I'm such a loser. Then I started teaching the class and I became very confused because I loved it. I love the students, I love the subject matter, I love talking to them about their lives and their careers and what they were gonna do and how to make money and all this stuff. So much did I love it 
that I wrote a whole sort of help book. It was the curriculum to a class that I was teaching on career development, but it became my first, it became Finding Your Own North Star, which was my first self-help book. And um, I kept thinking, why is this happening to me? But it was, I thought, maybe I'm supposed to be a professor after all. No, no, no. A couple years in, the rest of the faculty decided they didn't like this class. <laughs> and they, they made a rule that no class could be taught in that university that could not be equally taught by any member of the faculty. So I was like, okay, peace, I'm out. But by then, I had clients for this coaching thing and I'd sold a self-help book and before I knew it, I was in, boop, life coaching. And it's, it's really interesting because like every time you get guidance in your life, because it's a mystery, because you don't know the answers yet, it has to come in disguise. It has to come dressed in a cultural face, a, a cultural cover story, I call it. Cultural cover for wild ways. Oh, I do love an acronym or a assonance or consonants or whatever that just was. Anyway, yes, cultural cover for wild ways. When you get guided, it will come to you as, oh, that's a logical thing from my frame of reference. It's logical to make a 2020 village that's totally independent so that tourists can look at it. It's logical to take a job at a business school and then develop a career development course. That's a normal thing. And then when people started talking to me and asking for advice, okay, uh, this is not normal, this is not normal, this is not normal. And then I read in the paper about life coaches and that I was one and I was like, cultural cover story. But everybody who goes through our coach training becomes something different. And the whole thing of life coaching is just a cover for living in a way that is like attuned to the mystery. It's always about the mystery for me. And if you do that, if you let yourself be guided, here's the thing. The way the guidance feels, and I've said this a million times, but I'll say it another million times. It feels like joy. It feels like fascination. It feels like it never feels like you're being pushed from behind to do something you don't want. It always feels like, oh, and it can even be incongruous. Like, why am I excited by business school? <laughs> it just, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but that feeling inside you is the first sign that you're guided. Then if you do the guided thing, whatever it is, then you get synchronicities and things that are crazy coincidental happening to show that you that you're on the right path. And these happen to me every single time I go to Londolozzi. One time I went to the star and I had a hat, a fine new hat that I bought at a, a bird watching store in California. And it was made in Ontario, Canada. And it was for bird watching in Canada. It didn't look very African, but I loved it. Had straps every which way and the wind couldn't blow it off my head. So I wore this ridiculous hat for like a week. And then I was sitting on a deck with my friends in Africa and somebody was playing with my hat. And he said, do you know your hat has a secret compartment? And I was like, no. Well, it turned out that in the crown of the hat, there was a little Velcro compartment where if you opened it, you could put a credit card or some money in there. And inside it was a little card advertising the hat. And it said, this hat can go through anything. This hat was owned by a man named Michael Hackenberger. It was a pic there was a picture of Michael Hackenberger and an elephant. And it said, this elephant, which was at the Ontario Zoo, ate Michael Hackenberger's hat three times and pooped it out the other side. <laughs> and it was still perfectly wearable. <laughs> 
So I thought this was funny and I read it out loud. And then um, one of the people who runs Longalozi, Dave Vardy said, oh, Michael Hackenberger. Oh yeah, he comes here all the time. His elephant comes from around here. So the hat was made in Canada. It, I bought it in California. I took it to Africa. I had no idea there was a secret compartment until someone read it out loud in the place where somebody could tell me that that elephant came from there. That's the kind of coincidence I'm talking about. Completely ridiculous. So what I want you to do this very fabulous day that we get back together, at least on Instagram, is I would like you to sit down and without bias, look through your life when times when you felt the surge of something pulling you by the heart and look at the times you went with it and like think about what happened next and then look at the times you didn't go with it and think about what happened next. What I always find when I do this exercise is that when I jumped into my joy, into my passion, into my fascination, all these um, synchronicities and little blessings started to happen all around me. And when I didn't go with it, I felt like I was like on rough sand and going further felt painful, painful, painful. And it continued until I switched course because I believe we are all being seriously guided. I, I always start these these um, seminars by saying, this will not get woo-woo. I know good psychology tricks. I'm just gonna work with the people the way they are. And by hour two, people are having magical experiences, mystical experiences, they're, they're seeing the future, they're, they, you know, they're being connected with by loved ones who have gone on. It's just, it's, it's really a place where it's impossible for magic not to come in. So um, like the first night I was there, I thought, oh, this is such a nice group. And I went and I lay down in bed and I could not sleep because it was like I was being bombarded with enthusiastic suggestions. Mm -hmm. And I was in a room by myself. Nevertheless, the enthusiastic suggestions would not stop. And finally, I just said, okay, I surrender. What is happening? And it was almost like a babble of voices in the room going, oh, tell her this. This is my person. Um, he needs to know this. Could you please tell him this? Hi, I I was re I am the mother of this person in the group. Could you please come in? And I was like, I'm not a medium. I'm not, I'm not psychic. Please leave me alone. No, they were not going to leave me alone. Because when you go to a place where people are living by guidance, and putting everything into what they've been guided to do. Even if they're believing the cultural cover story, they put, they're all in once they feel that there's something they're guided to do. When you go to a place like that, the guidance gets very, very strong. So when we gather here, even though it's a virtual space, the guidance gets stronger. When you sit down and open to times you've been guided, the guidance gets stronger. If you meditate in a specific spot in your house, about the times that you've been guided and you ask for guidance and you say, hey, I'm open to guidance, that becomes a stronger place to go. So the energy seems to want to concentrate according to what's happening in a place. That's interesting. Okay, <clears throat> so that's my little instruction is just be open to guidance and, and think about when you've done it and see how you felt and keep going on it. But here are some questions to answer. Hello, the lovely peoples. 
This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. At least on Instagram. So Dr. Donna says, how do we discern what is guidance and what may just be our own misinterpretation of guidance? There's only one way, Donna, and that is to follow it. You know, if somebody says this, this delicious recipe um, will satisfy your hunger. All right. Well, to know you, you have to kind of make the recipe and eat it. Yeah. That people say the proof is in the pudding. That's actually a miss. That's a warping of the real phrase, which is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. You can say it's good pudding, like on the British Baking Show, but until somebody comes and eats a piece of it, you can't prove that that's, that the pudding is good. So you have to actually go out and try it and then come back. One of the things our folks did is is they went out and tracked rhinoceroses. And one thing that you find out about rhinoceroses is that they meander. They do not go in straight lines, they meander. And so if you think you're gonna go in a straight line, you, you get the first track and you march off in the direction of that track and it goes at a right angle and you miss it. And then you lose the track. And that is called the path of not here, the track of not this. And when you go towards something and it doesn't fulfill you and it doesn't light you up and no synchronicities happen and no joy is bubbling in your soul. It's your own misinterpretation. Go back to the last moment, ask for guidance again, follow the next bit. You will start to find, just like a good tracker starts to recognize the track faster and faster, you will find that you get much, much better at knowing what real guidance is as you start to actually behave differently, actually act on the, the nudges you get from inside, and then uh, then you can see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Paint with Purpose 2020, yay, says, how do you get signs that you are a guided path? Um, it says, how do you get signs that you are guided path? I'm not sure exactly what that means, but the way you get signs is first you open your, you ask. First of all, like, send me a sign. I have a friend in Phoenix who always asks the universe to send her a sign and then she shakes her fist at the universe and says, and don't be subtle. She wants it strong. And she gets very strong signs. When I made friends with her, I felt like I was literally physically pushed to, into a building to meet her. It was really strange. Um, it was a physical force that was like pushing my body because she doesn't want things to be subtle. So generally, you get what you ask for if you then open your attention and you're willing to say, okay, that felt like guidance. Now I'm gonna do it and see if it works. That's always what it is. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. The proof of the guidance is in the doing, not in the feeling, in the doing. Um, Teresa True North says, what if you truly feel you're on the right path, but you're not getting any synchronicities? If you truly feel that, keep going, but you're probably not picking up everything around you. Uh, I think I've done the exercise here before where you just look around your room wherever you are 
and say the word red, 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 red in your mind over and over. And everything red starts to pop out at you. Um, the things that aren't red fade away. And this is how our attention works. We do not see everything in front of us. We do not experience everything that's happening to us. We experience the tiny segment of what's happening to us that we bring to our focus of attention. And this is why, like a bus driver driving a double-decker bus, in this horrible example, he was talking on a hands-free phone to his sister, and they were in an argument. And he'd been he was an experienced double-decker bus driver. He had his hands free. It was a clear day. He could see everything. A bridge came. It was too low for the bus. He ran straight into it, and a bunch of people got killed because he was only paying attention to what his sister was arguing, and he did not see what was right in front of him. And this is what happens when we're looking anxiously for signs. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And we have an idea of what it's going to be, what it should be, what it should look like. It should look like a butterfly. It should look like my dead mother's voice. It should look like this or that. When you ask for guidance, you then walk through the world like a baby or an animal, like a leopard, <laughs> with just soft focus, sort of looking around. <laughs> and the less you focus in on narrow things, the more you'll start to see, oh, that's funny. That, that that feels like a validation of the guidance I've been following. Huh. Oh my gosh, now something else happened. Now something else happened. Um, I was sitting with my friends from South Africa and we were going back over our relationship and looking at all the, the moments that shifted us and how now that we look back on it, we can see it as like a string of pearls. You know, like uh, the, the way I met the family there was that um, I was supposed to go out on a, a safari with one of the drivers at Londolozzi, and they're all superb. But another guy had told uh, my friend Boyd, there's a woman who's in the camp right now and she does martial arts. She's kind of, you know, you should check her out. And so Boyd went in and did something he'd never done before and he never did again. He, he erased the other driver's name and put his name on that vehicle and put the other guy on the different vehicle. And then we went out and, and started to talk and it was like, okay, I've always known you. And it was, it was just, it was obvious. We'd known each other. And I went and we talked to his family and um, the rest is history. But that, that day that he wiped off the name and put his name where another person's would have been, we didn't know that was guidance. But it's very, it's ironic because he was guiding that tour. But we looked at all the different things. His sister at the time was worried that, you know, she'd never find true love. And I did a lot of coaching with her around it, or we would just talk about it as friends. And we'd, we'd get to the end of her hope and despair and everything. And then she'd say as a joke, well, I just hope he's rich. Whoever he is, he'd better be rich because I want to marry rich. And of course, she met and married a guy named Rich, who is amazing. But all those times she made that joke, all those times we made that joke, and these are people who do not like... He didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> she wasn't marrying him for money, but she wanted to marry rich. And you look back and you're like, oh my God, that was a trek. And I didn't know, but how cool that we're seeing it from here. Um, so open the field of your attention and let anything come in. Annie says, what do you do if you're looking for that feeling of joy, but don't have it? Mm, very good question. If you don't feel joy about anything, you need to lie down. You need to rest. The, the guidance is saying, 
everything in your active life is the track of not here. Lie down, go to sleep. One of the things that also happens to me a lot when I've asked for guidance is that I have cool dreams. Dreams that often give me really good guidance. But I don't get those if I'm out looking for guidance. I get them when I'm asleep. Sleep is part of it, you guys. Sleep is a big part of the mystery. And we have a culture. I mean, as soon as I got home, I was all jet lagged and I got all these little viruses because I was, you know, I, I was masking against COVID, but I was also masked against every other little virus that came up. So I think I caught every virus on the plane that took me there. <laughs> they were just little colds and things, but I was like, Ugh. so I got back. I'm like all jet lagged. Oh, and I opened my eyes this morning and go, oh, I've got to get productive. I've got to work out. I've got to. That's the culture talking. The constant productivity culture, the cog in a machine culture, don't believe it. If it doesn't feel joyful, and to me it didn't this morning, just stay in bed, if at all possible, or lie down on the couch somewhere. <laughs> Get rest as soon as you can, because that's where your guidance is taking you when you don't feel joy in doing anything. Um, Stephanie says, what's the relationship between guidance and misguidance? I think misguidance comes when it, there's a feeling of grasping. Here's an interesting factoid. I'm writing about the different hemispheres of the brain quite a bit. Um, you heard Jill Bolte-Taylor come and talk about that on The Gathering Room some time ago. I, I was reading another book that says the, the right hand, which is run by the left side of the brain, it tries to grab things. But the left hand, which is run by the right side of the brain, wants to touch things. So misguidance is when you're grasping at things and you think, oh, now I've met that famous person and my life is made. It's all going to happen for me now. Ooh. The grasping sensation of the left hemisphere of the brain. Guidance is more like, oh, what's this feeling? This is the most wonderful. This is the most incredible feeling. Wait, I want to get quiet just to feel this feeling. Oh, the feeling's getting very strong now. It, it, it all comes from wanting to touch reality rather than grab reality. We can't grab anything. It's like trying to grab water. It just, time slip, time keeps on slipping into the future, as they say. And it's, but, and you can't grab it. You can't grab water in a river, but you can put your hand in and feel it and touch it and enjoy it. And that is what guidance feels like. Janita says, what are the baby steps to take to develop enough patience and trust to follow the guidance? What a good question. You have to, I think, be so kind to the part of yourself that isn't thrilled to wait. Uh, we talked a few, I don't know how many weeks ago, about something I call kind internal self-talk. And it, when there's a part of you that, that is throwing a tantrum because it wants what it wants now, damn it, and it's going to be upset until it gets what it wants, don't try to shut it down. When we're, I was reading about how to deal with toddlers because we have one. And what you do is you narrate, when, it, when your toddler has a meltdown, you narrate it because they don't have the words for it. And you do the same thing for the part of yourself that's impatient. Wow, you're feeling so much frustration. I totally understand that. Yeah, that can't happen right now. But it's going to happen. Something good is going to happen that you're going to enjoy. It's like you're talking to a two-year-old. But you're going to have to just relax and, and be with me. What can I do to make you comfortable? Could I get you a cup of tea? Could I get you a fuzzy blanket or a, a seat by a window where you can see a bird's nest? 
love, kindness, allowing yourself to feel whatever you're feeling, that's what settles us and allows us to have patience because then we're not hurting. And we shouldn't have to just hang on and hurt. The universe wants to embrace us as we're waiting. So Jessica says, I often feel challenged by the contrast of the guidance signs and the practical difficulties of daily life. It's been such a hard season. How do we merge the tremendous awe and brutal toil into daily peace? Wow, Jessica, publish that. That is a beautiful couple of sentences. Um, and that's what human life is all about, isn't it? I mean, if we were just magical spirits or fairies that could make things happen, pew, 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 we wouldn't be having a human experience. The whole human experience is about the daily toil. Um, but, you know, Albert Camus, the, the French philosopher said, um, when you come to the end of it, it's not the goal, it's the process that enriches you. And he says, um, the struggle itself is enough to fill our hearts. We must imagine Sisyphus happy. So he's talking about this Greek myth where a guy named Sisyphus had to push a rock up a hill every day and then the gods would roll it back down and he'd have to roll it up the next day. But Camus was saying there's a strength that is built from that daily toil. There is a self-confidence, a power, a quiet, collected um, calm that says I've done the toil and I know I can do it. That the 2020 village didn't just form itself. People had to do it by the sweat of their brow um, and they were willing to and it pays off as magic after the toil. A couple more questions. We still got a few, a little time. Arunadev asks how to ask for guidance and how to find the right answers. Ask for guidance in every way there is. Lie on the floor and scream for it. Kick your little fists and tiny prince's feet. Um, ask for it in writing, send a letter. Write a letter and then put it in the fireplace like the like Jane and Michael Banks asking for Mary Poppins. Actually, writing it down is good. Tell your friends about it. We had a whole circle where we sat at the end of the story. We just said, what do you want? And we'd all like say, I can imagine that. And like, I feel this coming for you, dude. Get your friends in on it. Gather, create a space that's, that's sacred and, and holy for you to receive the softest little bits, the softest little whispers of joy that you can follow as guidance. And the right answers will come as you act on your guidance. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. And then finally, Anne-Marie says, what is your insight on rejection? I know it is a, at times it is a sign to go another way, but I still can't let it get to me. Yeah, if it's a sign to go to the other way, here's the deal, you'll be relieved. When somebody breaks off an engagement and the other person goes, oh, thank God, that's guidance. Um, if there are a lot of times that we commit to things um, and they're not really what we want, it's not really guidance. So then we find out it's not, we, we give up on it and we feel great. If you're guided to do something, no matter how many times you are rejected, you will not give up. It won't stop bothering you. It will come to the door and come to the door and come to the door. Um, I started with a story about a leopard visiting me on the first night I was there. Well, on the second, the first morning I was at Londolozzi, I heard a sound through that same thing. I was like, oh my God, it's a lion. I think it's a lion. I went and pulled the curtains apart. It was a golden retriever. And, um, 
<laughs> Truffle, the golden retriever who lives at Londolozzi. And she came every single day I was there. She knew when I woke up, she would be at the door like two minutes after I woke up asking to be let in and she would not go away. This is what true guidance acts like. It just keeps coming to the door of your heart and saying, no, I really do want that thing. I really do want to create a seminar in the African bush and have people fly thousands of miles to go to it. I know it sounds crazy. I really want to do it and I can't let go. I really want to be a writer. I really want to um, start my own business. I really want to start a random podcast on internet and have people show up to talk to me every Sunday. And then you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And the rejection eventually, it's like when I was teaching career development, this is how every quest for a job goes and it's every quest for everything. Here's how your campaign to succeed in life will go. No, 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 yes. And that's the end of the search. But keep going along the path of your guidance, no matter what the culture is telling you, no matter what you think the evidence says, trust what comes up inside you. Thank you for coming to the gathering room with me. I'm so glad to be back. And uh, I'm so, so grateful all of you were back too. Tons of love, bye. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.